0: Welcome to the sermons of Steve Galloway, pastor of First Baptist Church, Macon, Mississippi. Let us join together and study God's word and apply it to our hearts so that we may learn his truths and live faithful, obedient lives. May God bless our time together. if you will look at your Bibles, we're in Revelation. We'll be looking at chapter 18. The entire chapter is quite lengthy. Uh, Verses 1 through 24. Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 through 24. If you will allow me to read this passage. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illumined with his glory. And he cried out with a mighty voice, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. She has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sin and receive her her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back even as she has paid, and give back to her double according to her deeds. In the the cup which she has mixed, mixed twice as much for her. To the degree that she glorified herself and lived sanctuously, to the same degree give her torment and mourning. For she said in her heart, I sit as a queen, and I am not a widow and will never see mourning. For this reason, in one day her plagues will come, pestilence and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for the Lord God who judges her is strong. And the kings of the earth who who committed acts of immorality lived sensuously with her, will weep and lament over her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance because of the fear of her torment, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, Babylon, the strong city, For in one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn over her. Because no one buys their cargoes anymore. Cargoes of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls and fine linen. And purple and silk and scarlet. And every kind of citron wood. And every article of ivory. And every article made from very costly wood. And bronze and iron and marble. And cinnamon and spice and incense, and perfume, and frankincense, and wine, and olive oil, and fine flour, and wheat, and cattle, and sheep, and cargoes of horses, and chariots, and slaves, and human lives. The fruit you long for has gone from you, and all things that were luxurious and splendid have passed away from you, and men will no longer find them. The merchants of these things, who became rich from her, will stand at a distance because of the fear of her torment, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, she who was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour such great wealth has been laid waste. And every shipmaster and every passenger and sailor and as many as make their living by the sea stood at a distance. And were crying out as they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads and were crying out, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, in which all who had ships at sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she had been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints, apostles, and prophets, because God has pronounced judgment for you against her. Then a strong angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will no longer be found. And the sounds of harpists and musicians and flute players and trumpeters will not be heard in you any longer. And no craftsman or any craft will be found in you any longer. And the sound of a mill will not be heard in you any longer. And the light of a lamp will not shine in you any longer. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride will not be heard in you any longer. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all those who have been slain on the earth. Now looking at this passage, last week we dealt with Babylon, but Babylon in that chapter, verse chapter 17, really referred to Babylon as being the religious center, the false religion that prevailed during the first three and a half years of the tribulation. If you remember what we talked about is that the the world basically fell under this one world religion, and the reason why they did is because they were so evil in their thoughts and their desires. They were self-indulgent, and this encouraged that. Basically, this religion was, if it feels good, do it. Doesn't matter if it's right in God's eyes, because they did not acknowledge God. Uh, they were basically worshiping, you know, uh, worshiping themselves and their, their own lust, uh, lustfulness, and things of this nature. But then, if as we close with chapter 17, it said that the kings killed off basically this harlot of Babylon. And so the reason why is because at that midpoint of the tribulation, the Antichrist, the beast basically says, there's no need to worship anything else. Now you worship me because I am your God. And the false prophet uh, caused them to to build uh, an image of the beast, and the image of the beast could speak and do miraculous type things. And so the people's attention was no longer on a kind of a worldwide religion. It was now focused on the Antichrist, the beast. And so now Babylon is going to be seen as more of a financial center, the one one world finances and kind of world system of politics. So everything is now under the rule of the Antichrist because now we have moved into that second half of the tribulation. And this one chapter really kind of covers the whole three and a half final years almost. So everything's under one rule. The Antichrist blesses those who are worshiping him by feeding their self-indulgence. Now, self-indulgence basically means people are craving things of the lust, what they want. They want the fine things. They want anything that brings pleasure to them. And so my personal opinion is that those who worship the beast, the Antichrist, the Antichrist basically blessed them by giving them their heart's desire. Otherwise, there would not be all these merchants bringing in all the fine gold and linens and all these expensive things because there would not be a market for it if the people were not blessed and could not afford it. I truly believe that the Antichrist blessed those who worshipped him and enabled them to, to seek after the things of the flesh. And so... This self-indulgence is really what we see here. Now, through this kind of lengthy passage, I'm going to really focus on four different voices or four different callings. The first is a voice of condemnation, is verses one through three. The second is a call for separation, which is verses four through eight. Third one is a call of lamentation, which is verses nine through nineteen, and then the final will be a voice of celebration. And that's uh, basically from there to the end. And so here's the voice of condemnation, basically verses 1 through 3. And here is a great angel, another angel coming down, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. So in other words, this is a powerful angel. We don't know a name. It's not given. And he cries out with a mighty voice, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons and a prison for every unclean spirit and a prison for every unclean and hateful bird, the carrion-type birds, the ones that eat flesh. For all the nations have drunk the wine of the passions of her immorality and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her and the merchants of the earth have become rich by her wealth of her sensuality. So here is a voice of common nation from uh, a, a mighty angel, fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. Now, why is Babylon the Great falling? Because God's judgment is now upon her. This is the closer to the end of the uh, second half of the tribulation. Basically what what this passage really deals with is the kind of the onset of those last seven judgments. The seven bold judgments. And we're going to see that they have not quite yet happened a little bit later. But here's the condemnation. You have been a home for demons. In other words, every every evil spirit is a part of this Babylon. It's the home of the Antichrist, the beast. Home of demons. Every unclean spirit. And everything there is rotting and corrupting. And God's basically saying, and now there are evil or unclean birds ready to eat up the flesh. And we're going to see that later on. It um, hasn't happened yet. So the people of the nations have become drunk with the influence of greed, self-indulgence, self-love, and they followed after their own sensual desires. How do we know this? Well, we're going to see that in just a moment. We're going to see that uh, they, they crave Everything, every fleshly desire that you can see, they craved it. But the end is coming, and the way of their self-centered world, who worship after uh, after the father of the lies, the Antichrist, the Satan, uh, the 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 dragon, the beast drags uh, the beast brags about this utopia that they're living in, basically saying, you know. It's okay. Everything's going to be okay. This is going to last forever. We're going to see that in verse 7. Uh, in her heart, she says, I sit as a queen, and I am not a widow, and will never see mourning. Thinking that you know, we've arrived, we've gotten exactly where we want to be, we're getting everything we want, I am ruler over all things. But then we see verses 4 through 8. A call for separation. Now we've talked about this quite a bit. And this is not definitive, but I am going to share with you my personal belief. When we get to those last judgments that fall, we know that some of them do not affect the, uh, those who are saints, those who are followers of Christ. Then we don't hear about whether or not they affect the followers of Christ. So look at verse 4. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues. What does that mean? Does that mean that there's a hiding place like we saw earlier where the 144,000 were told to leave and seek a place of, of refuge? Or is this a drawing out of God's people who still remain It's hard for us to fully understand because it doesn't say come out and come up to me. It doesn't say, you know, I'm coming to get you, but it is a protective voice of God. Come out of her. Do not associate with her. Get away from her. Personally, I believe that it could be possible that at this point, as the seven bold judgments begin, first of all, they do not affect those who are followers of Christ. But then, after about the second one, first or second one, uh, you 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 quit hearing. Is this affecting them? Well, it is not because here's the command: come out of her. I want to protect you from receiving of her plagues. So there's a separation of uh, the people of God, the followers of Christ, the worshipers of Christ, and those who worship the Antichrist, who've taken the mark of the beast on their hand or their forehead. How do you separate? Is there a place of refuge? Well, the Antichrist controls the entire world. He has ten kingdoms, and each the leaders of all these nations or kingdoms have basically sold out to him. They are doing anything that he wants. In other words, they're basically his pawns to, you know, or puppets to do exactly what he wants in those areas. So is there any safe place on the earth for them to come out to? The only place I know is to be with God, but I don't know if that's what this means. I know that uh, earlier where we talked about you know, going out into the wilderness, that God would feed them or protect them, that could be what this is talking about. It is not clear what this scripture tells us, but I believe personally that One way or another, they're protected. They're not going through any of the trials or the tribulations. Uh, They're going to be found in the seven bold plagues because it tells us right here, come out of her so that you will not participate in her sins. In other words, separate yourself from the sinfulness that's there. And so that you will not receive of her plagues. So that's pretty clear to me that anyone who's a follower of Christ during that time will not receive the plagues, will not receive that judgment. And so we see this call for separation, and then we see why. We see in verse 5, uh, well, for her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God remembers her iniquity. Pay her back, even as she has paid, and give her back her double according to her deeds, in the cup which she has mixed, mixed twice as much for her, and then it says, to the degree that she has glorified herself and lived sensuously, to the same degree, give her torment and mourning. There again, that passage where she thinks, this Babylon, this beast, thinks, I sit as a queen, I'm not a widow, and I will not ever see mourning. Now, the word mourning is not like the daybreak, it is sorrow. In other words, Antichrist thinks he's going to live forever. For this reason, in one day her plagues will come, pestilence and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for the Lord God who judges her is strong. Now, we've already dealt with the seven bold plagues, right? Seven bold judgments. I told you that they come pretty much rapid fire. They come one after another. If we take this passage literally in verse 8, for this reason, in one day her plagues will come. So 24 hours or 16 hours, whatever you want to consider a day. 12 hours. The Jewish day began at, day, at basically 6 o'clock in the morning and ended at 6 o'clock at night. And so their day was 12 hours. So 12 hours, 7 plagues, and it's done. The judgment has come. So we look and we see that God is serious, and we know that these seven plagues are coming, and they're coming quickly. Then we look and we see uh, verses nine through nineteen, a cry of lamentation. Now, if you'll notice, there's a bunch of woes in this passage. Woe, woe, the great city of Babylon, the strong city, for in one hour, not one day, but one hour, your judgment has come. And so we continue to see in verse 16, another woe, woe, the great city, she who is clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and adorned with uh, gold and precious uh, stones and pearls, for in one hour such great wealth has been laid waste. And so we look. And we see again in verse 19, Woe, woe, the great city in which all who had ships at sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she has been laid waste. So we look in this passage, you know, basically eleven verses, and several times we see this this cry of lamentation. Now, basically those who are crying are those who have been making a lot of money. Off of this Antichrist, off of Babylon, this, this world financial system. Because they were the ones who were the sellers of all this wealth. They had cargos. Look at the list. They had cargos of gold, silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linens, purple and silk and scarlet. And every kinds of citrus, citron wood. And every article of ivory. And every article made of very costly wood. And bronze and iron and, maple, and marble. And cinnamon, spices, and incense, and perfumes, and frankincense, and wine, and olive oil, vine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, cargoes of horses, and chariots, and slaves, and human lives. In other words, if you wanted it, you could get it. They would sell it to you. And now, what do they see? They see judgment coming. Verse 10 Woe, woe, Babylon, the strong city. In one hour your judgment has come so the the merchants on the earth weep and mourn over her because no one no one buys their cargo anymore now today have you seen the container ships they have these containers that can fit on a rail system or a flat bag truck and they have them stacked like 10 high and 50 across and 20 deep, I mean, they're huge tanker, I mean, huge ships. I have no idea how many of these containers they have. And they're all over. Do you remember when the supply chain was in its worst? They had like 50 to 100 of these sitting off the shore of California just waiting to come into the dock. No telling how many more were at sea trying to get to America. We have become Babylon, wanting all the greedy things you can find. Instead of focusing on the needs, we focus on the wants. And I know I'm guilty. I have far more than I need. And we all do, right? You know, Our, our way of looking at this is, are we, do we have a heart for those who are in need? Are we ministering to those who are in need? And even now we struggle with that because... We have a world system that takes care of those in need better than the church ever has. They basically give them checks every month and say, say, "You know, we're going going to take care of you. You know, you got food, you got your rent paid, you got X amount of money in, in this account and this account." And is there really hardly anybody truly in need anymore? Yeah, there's some. There's some that slip between the cracks, but but we look and we see the greed the self-indulgence of the people. And again, I believe that those who had the mark of the beast on their hand or their forehead and could buy and sell, I think that the Antichrist blessed them so that they could prosper and they could buy and sell even more because the Antichrist knew that the more greed that their hearts were being met by, the greater their worship of the Antichrist because he was the source of all these things. And so the the more he gave or enabled them to to meet their greedy desires, their self-indulgence, the more they would worship him and do his command. And so these merchants were now mourning because nobody was going to buy any of their things. The merchants, like the kings, will see all that they depended on, their wealth for, is gone up in smoke. Now, you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that, that have a great idea to open up a little shop to sell coffee or to, you know, certain certain crafts or, you know, they, they, they have something that nobody else in the area is doing. And so they open up a shop and they invest in it. And they start seeing some profits. And then a catastrophe happens. Either somebody breaks in and steals all their merchandise or a fire or some other catastrophe and they see their 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 livelihood their hopes, their dreams, just go up and smoke. Well, that's not quite the same here. These merchants were basically hand in glove with Antichrist. Everything he wanted the people to have, they provided. They provided all these wealthy things. If you, if you read verses 12 through 13, pretty lengthy list of things. Are there any needs there, or are they wants? Think about it. The only one that even comes close is fine flour. Now, flour was in the in the days of John was typically uh, barley or wheat. Now, the fine flour was a, a higher grain that most people could not afford, and so this is again talking about the luxuries, the things that want instead of need. And so here again, they were reaping the benefit of the system and now they're crying out, woe, woe. In one hour, notice that every time you hear these woes, they say in one hour it has been laid waste. Now we were talking about 12 hours a minute ago that these uh, seven uh, judgments would probably come and they're saying in an hour we're seeing our entire livelihood go up in smoke it's been laid waste. We no longer have anybody to buy our merchant, our merchandise. And so here's the questions. Now, I've already asked it a little bit. Are we also guilty of desiring to feed ourselves indulgences? Are we also guilty of being in business to sell others what they really don't need but desire to feed this desire? Are we more interested in feeding our own greed than ministering to the others in need? And unfortunately, our world today is very much resembling the world during the, Reve- during the tribulation. Now we come to the last five verses, verses 20 through 24. And it deals with a voice of celebration. Let me just read this. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced judgment for you against her. Then a strong angel took a stone like a great millstone and threw it in the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence. It will not be found any more. Let me just kind of stop there. Rejoicing begins in heaven. Rejoice over her, O heaven. All you saints, all the apostles, all the prophets. Why? Because God has pronounced judgment against her. Now, Those who are in heaven are those who have died in Christ. Going all the way back to the prophets, the ones who have been faithful to God, remember they had a foreshadowing of the Messiah. They did not know who he would be, but they knew what he would be. He would be the Savior of the world. He would be God's messenger of peace and love and salvation. And they knew of him and they preached about him. But yet many of them were died a martyr's death because some people did not want to hear what they were saying. They were rejecting God's message through the prophets. Then the apostles. Well, if you look at extra-biblical evidence, all but John of the apostles died a martyr's death. They were sawn in half, crucified upside down, put in a sack and thrown out into the sea. So... Not only were the prophets killed and died in their faith, but the apostles also, and then all you saints, those who accepted Jesus as their Savior and Lord and who had died in their faith. He says, we are now rejoicing in heaven, not because the lost are being judged, but because God is faithfully fulfilling His promise. What's that promise? Well, we've referred to it several times. Revelations chapter 6, verse 10. And they cried out. These are the uh, saints under the altar of God. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Now he's saying rejoice, because the judgment has come. So we're looking at God fulfilling his promise. Then another strong angel threw a millstone in the sea and declared, likewise, Babylon would be thrown down with violence and would be no more. There would be no. Let's look at the last part. Pick it up in verse 22. And the sound of harpists and musicians and flute players and trumpeters will not be heard in you anymore. In other words, there's not going to be any more celebrating on earth. And there will be no craftsmen or any crafts uh, will be found anymore. There's, no, there's not going to be any more idols made. There's not going to be any more trinkets made, and the sound of the mill will not be heard in you anymore. The mill was the one that would grind the wheat so that they could have food to eat. Well, that's going to be gone. And the lamp of your light will not, uh, the light of your lamp will not shine in any of you any longer. In other words, the world's going to get dark. We saw that in the in the uh, seven bowl judgment. So dark that they were gnashing their tongues. And then it says, And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride will not be heard any longer. Nobody's going to get married because the end is here. Nobody's going to be thinking about, let's have a celebration. Let's join together as husband and wife because they're groaning and moaning over the pain and the suffering that they're going through because of the seven plagues. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. So God is bringing judgment, and the heavens are rejoicing over God's judgment. Then he finishes in verse 24 And in her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and of all who have been slain on the earth. In her, this is heaven, was found the blood of the prophets and the saints, and all that been slain on the earth." So we look and we see the Antichrist overseeing what we call Babylon, the false religion that is no more because the world is now following the Antichrist, the beast, as their God, the financial system that's feeding the greed and the self-indulgence of the hearts of the people, and basically the world system where it's all under his control, and now The seven judgment plagues have come and now in one day and in one hour those who have been profiting off of this world system realize it's all gone. The end is here. There's nothing left. Everything that we thought would last forever. Everything that we thought would make us even richer is gone. And so we look and we see that the evidence is here. The blood of the prophets and the saints was found as evidence against her, and God's judgment has come. Just kind of wrapping up, uh, the children of God, have, I think, have been removed or separated. How, however you want to take that passage, it's up to you. Either the children of God have been removed, taken up to heaven, or separated into some safe region. Uh, the final seven bold judgment has come, and in one day the entire foundation of this demonic world system crumbled.